What's up, everybody? We are back. I'm Jesse. That's Jay. This is Roots to Grooves. What's up, everybody? Welcome along. Seattle, Washington, baby. How are you, Jay? Pretty good. A beautiful day. Sun is shining. Allergies are flying. Uh, I know. But it's all good. We're here. Jay just hooked yeah. me up with some Claritin Clear. So I'm feeling pretty good already. This episode sponsored by Claritin Clear. Yeah. They gave us $100,000. I already spent 90000 of it. Sorry, Jesse. I, I still get 10? I get, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I get 10, though. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. That'll uh, pay so my rent for like three months. Thanks, Claritin. Uh, Hit us up. I don't know what the tagline is. Anyway, yeah. Claritin Clear. <sighs> for those, I don't know. For those foggy days. Where's the yeah. box? <laughs> they don't no. have a good tagline on there. Okay. okay anyway, then. we are talking about tennis. Uh, good time to talk about tennis because Wimbledon's going to happen, right? In uh, in the UK. I, I planned that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that actually. The band tennis. Yes, the band tennis. Um, so we got an indie yeah. rock group. Yep. Basically indie rock across the board, but they go from kind of lo-fi, uh, you know, indie, and they've kind of merged into pop, mm-hmm. even straightforward pop, but yeah. still kind of indie pop. Yeah. Um, yeah, a woman vocalist. It's a, hu- it's a husband and wife duo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. He plays guitar. She plays keys and vocals. They both produce and write. Yeah. Um, from Denver, Colorado. They've, they've toured. They've played Coachella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you got on them? Dream pop. Um, almost surf rock sometimes, I would say, mm-hmm. on the yeah. first album, which we'll talk about. I, I've, it's one of those bands I've heard of them, but I haven't, don't really know them um so much mm-hmm. so that was in, so yeah for the people at home this isn't the wikipedia episode you know i'm what i'm talking about today i just found out about them today and hopefully you got some more dirt on them that i don't know about but like <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's what you know hopefully well i mean we'll get into it though we'll yeah. see what we find yeah when we start digging um no accolades right yeah they haven't got any grammys or anything like that but no um, but they've been around for like what like 10 years yeah 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 so they've been making music yeah um and uh diy pretty much all the way like, yeah that's kind of working the, hard for themselves making it happen yeah they've been yeah. signed yeah they were on a record label called fat possum yeah but they've moved into self-releasing and self um you know publishing and everything basically yeah, yeah. they they were going on tours and doing it diy i think they started as a three-piece yeah. um out of a subaru mm, yeah. and and just kind of low-key yeah and now they've i think they still tour them like without a manager basically yeah yeah um but i think they have a 15 passenger van now okay so they've yeah. upgraded a little bit yeah but they still take care of all the details and all the the show yeah running type stuff yeah themselves yeah tune their own piano mm. they, yeah. they have a piano with them i don't I know see that uh, yeah. well maybe the one at home <laughs> okay yeah. but that's what i saw at least yeah <laughs> so but yeah they've you know gone on tour they played big shows yeah had a lot of success I know about them because I heard one of the songs um, at the gym. Mm, okay. And yeah. so I was like, yes, yeah. that's a pretty cool song. So it's, I'm going to listen to it when I get home. It's interesting to me. It's the new way of finding music. A lot of, uh, I don't know where restaurants and gyms get their playlists from. I think mm-hmm. some of them, there's like some businesses that provide music to these places. Yeah. Other times it's just the, the bartender or whatever playing yeah. what they like, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, always... It's, it's interesting to me how the music in these public places has morphed. It's not like 
just like pop music. It's like they've got some indie things happening. I've been hearing yeah. like on in bars and restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Especially yeah. in Seattle. I don't just, know. Yeah. Get a little bit yeah. more of an eclectic mix day to day. Yeah, yeah. Not just top 40 every day. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of, yeah, individuals picking the music, picking yeah. a Spotify playlist yeah. of whatever they feel like listening to and forcing the coffee goers to listen to the same thing all day. Which is crazy. I'd like to know what, we've got to keep our ears out when we travel now. Because mm -hmm. I, I remember growing up, I felt like it was the radio it was like, in the UK, you know, because they just play the top 40 hits literally pretty much all day until the specialist shows. So like a lot of public places would be playing the radio station. Mm -hmm. So you'd hear a lot of that same crappy music shoved down your throat every day. But now it's changed. We live in a better time. The streaming time, maybe not good for everyone, but good for music listeners and discovery. For you know? the audience, it's great. Yeah. yeah. They expect free music and they get it. Yeah. <laughs> for the artists, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, pros and cons of the music industry. Yeah. But overall, we live in a pretty good musical time, I would say. I think so. Should we get another bit of taste yeah. of so what tennis is about? Let's listen to some more tennis and then we'll talk more about them. And then right after that, um, I hope we're going to have the uh, quote of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> That was Long Boat Pass by Tennis, the band we're talking about today. Their debut album, Cape Dory. Yeah. Um, Beachy, like you said. Yeah, that's where I got the surfer vibes from. Also, that track reminds me of like a, a 1950s high school dance or something, like Back mm -hmm. to the Future style or something like yeah. that. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely pretty retro. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where kind of a lot of their influence comes from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, musically and, you know, kind of fashion-wise. Yeah, wise. yeah. Uh, I think they they kind of like that vibe. Yeah. It's kind of a classic vibe that's never gone away. You know, the old jean jacket. Right. Um, or like leather jacket. Yeah. So I think they really are, yeah, they have a lot of connection to that that time period, 50s, 60s, maybe a little 70s. Right, yeah. And they bring that into their music a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I was trying to look up a Chuck Berry quote because I just thought of like 1950s high school dance and... If we will have the Back to Future moment where he plays a Chuck Berry song and everyone's like, whoa, what's yeah. happening, you know? <laughs> uh, if the internet is correct, this is one thing he said. If you want to release your aggression, get up and dance. That's what rock and roll is all about. Nice. So Get up and dance. Get up and dance. Yeah. Start moving. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. So, without further ado. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about tennis. Let's get into it. Where are we at? So, let's name check them, right? Yeah, we haven't said their names. My bad. Yeah. We should have said that earlier. Yeah. Uh, we got Patrick Riley. Yeah. That's the gentleman, mm -hmm. husband, yep. guitar player, producer. Yeah. And then we have Elena Moore. Yeah. And that's she's the lead singer, wife, uh, keyboard player. Yeah. Writer, producer. Yeah. 
And then live, they have uh, a drummer and a bassist that just goes on two of them. Mm. Um, Steve Voss currently on drums, Ryan Tullock on bass. And they had a guy called James Brown who was their first drummer. So I think it used to be the three of them that used to play shows initially. Yeah. So, yeah, super stripped down, minimal stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about, I don't know, I don't have too much on their super early lives. Yeah, I know that Elena grew up in a small suburb of Colorado called Aurora, apparently. I know Aurora because of that shooting uh, in the movie theater. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Dark times. Dark I know times. Aurora because of the Aurora Strip in Seattle, which is a very notorious oh, yeah. motels. Didn't like uh, Cobain used to do drugs in the motel off of Aurora Avenue or something like that? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so. But... That's not what the place in Colorado is like, apparently. Sounds like a quaint little neighborhood, maybe. Yeah. Um, and she, I think she had some siblings and she was homeschooled mm -hmm. from what I hear. And I'll bring it up now, but this is probably a little bit later on. There was a, a, a kid um, that lived across the street called Luca, who um, years later ended up offering his photography skills to tennis, the band. And now he's like their music video director and art director for everything they do. It's yeah. crazy. And he also was homeschooled in Aurora in Colorado. So there you go. So pretty cool. Yeah. More just DIY family. Yeah. Let's get it done. Um, and then uh, Patrick, I don't have too much about his early years other than the fact that this is where the name tennis comes from, right? Did you hear about this? Well, he was a pretty avid tennis player. Yeah, apparently. Wanted to go pro, right? Yeah. He was, like, he was serious quite serious about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I don't know what happened, but he just didn't make, he didn't get the breaks, I guess, that you need to get in that industry to go pro, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It sounded like there was like a moment where yeah. he like, you know, everything crumbled, yeah, you know, yeah. quote unquote. That's what he said in like an interview, for example. Yeah. Um, so maybe he lost a tournament. Something like that. And, probably, you know, yeah. decided to not go on. Yeah. But he said that dream basically crumbled. Yeah. And there was some kind of turning point and it was, uh, you know, it felt kind of like a failure. Yeah. Or whatever, um, which is kind of a bummer. But I guess yeah. he was pretty good. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Serena Williams movie with Will Smith? No, I didn't. That was interesting because it kind of showed her what she had to go through to make it as pro kind of thing, you know. Is it a good movie? Uh, yeah, it's worth watching. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, but like, yeah, I mean, and he said about, he said he doesn't like the culture around tennis. He said it's a bit hoity-toity or whatever. Um, yeah. Which... Obviously, wasn't really that way for Serena Williams com coming up from where she came from. But like, once she got involved in the people that were going to make her pro, it is a little bit weird. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you know, I guess it's all strange that whole sports thing when you you're it, trying to sort of it's like an A and R man for sports. You're trying to like nurture this young talent to make them into something. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. There's yeah. some you know almost some classist vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, kind of the hoity-toity culture. Yeah, and. You know, but they take it seriously. Yeah. And the, the players who make it to the top are very talented and very regimented with their... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, skills and work ethic. Yeah. And so it's kind of fitting for tennis because I think it was Elena's idea to call the band tennis. She said, well, if you can't fulfill that dream, you know, maybe this can fulfill your dream. And then mm -hmm. they said, oh, it actually did turn out to fulfill, you know, not his tennis dreams, but now he is literally a tennis pro yeah. in a different kind of way. <laughs> kind of transmute that yeah, yeah. tennis fail yeah. into a tennis win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you which know, is cool. And it's funny. 
Because when I saw them interview for the first time, I was like, wow, they look like 1980s tennis players. Yeah, yeah. Especially basically. him. He looks like that, one of those famous guys from like Sweden or somewhere. Mm -hmm. like that, you know. You see him in like a, a, yeah. a tight white polo and some short shorts and a headband. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Jumping yeah. around with a tennis <laughs> racket. Exactly, yeah. So that's kind of their vibe. That's their vibe, yeah. Um, so I, it's interesting to me. I don't know how they got involved in music. Because the other thing that Elena did say is her dad was a minister, apparently. So mm -hmm. she grew up in a religious household. Right. Um, but I don't, I know when they started making music, but I don't know how, what they did before then, you know, influences I, or anything like that. You know. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of info on that. Yeah. Um, basically, but they did both go to music school. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that. And I think in like the kind of college years, yeah. college age. Yeah. So, you know, 18 to 19, I think they both went to music school and I can't remember which school. Yeah. But they both went and they both dropped out. Yeah. Um, and they kind of felt like they failed that as well. Well, I think they intentionally dropped out because they said they didn't want to be graded for making music, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Okay, that I makes guess. sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's something, I don't know. They've had a little, a few sort of synchronicities independently of each other. The fact that they both study music, they both dropped out for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. Then after they dropped out of that, they both took up philosophy class mm -hmm. and it ended up being the same philosophy class, right? And that's how they kind of met, right? Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. And um, even before that, I guess he recognized her in that philosophy class mm. um, because she was her waitress. Mm -hmm. She was his waitress at, um, I think, Applebee's. Okay. She said deli, I think, but I don't know. Deli? I th yeah. Mm -hmm. But my, is Applebee's a, a deli? <laughs> I don't <really>. think so. <laughs> I know she worked for Chili's at some point. Oh, as well. that must be what it was. It was Chili's. Was it Chili's? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. It was one of those restaurants. Yeah. And he yeah. went in there and she waited on him. Right. So, and then he yeah. recognized her from that philosophy class. Yeah. I think he, he ended up sitting next to her and then they started doing homework together and, yeah. you know, study nights, whatever. Yeah. Got close. Yeah. Started to see a lot of synchronicities with each other. And, and that's kind of one of the main things is they, they really are very similar as people yeah um there's a lot of you know symmetry between their personalities mm -hmm. and that makes them you know work really well together mm -hmm. um and i'm sure there's like some problems with that too like being too close or too similar yeah and they've they've mentioned you know people ask them all the time how is it to be a, a husband and wife yeah. and be in this business right. essentially yeah. and they do treat it kind of like a business yeah as we'll talk about yeah um and that you know that brings its own hardships and everything yeah for but sure. obviously they're successful and they got it under control yeah uh but yeah they basically started to hang out yeah um she apparently he even like did little drawings for her like sort of cutie things and and then she i think she got some of them tattooed like on her arm now so yeah once they started yeah. dating yeah yeah i think she yeah. yeah it was like a giraffe i think yeah i think that was one of them yeah it was like a yeah. goofy little giraffe guy yeah <laughs> so um yeah i think they started hanging out then uh, the sailing thing right i think then it's the sailing thing i think yeah. one time she went over to his house mm -hmm. and she noticed he had all these books all over the table yeah is what i um you know like how to how to live on a boat or something yeah like how that. to yeah. sail yeah. how to you know navigate how to use a boat whatever yeah apparently he'd never been on a boat <laughs> yeah and yeah. but he was learning how to sail and he had these the grand plans to go out on the water and sail around and yeah live that lifestyle yeah i think what he told her is like after he graduates he's just going to live on a boat and sail mm -hmm. around the world yeah um and 
And Elena said that she, you know, she grew up far away from water, didn't even learn how to swim uh, mm -hmm. growing up. Um, and so I think it was like through his passion for doing it that he sort of like convinced her sort of, he, he, I think he kind of said the dream is like, we're going to be sipping coconuts on the beach, you know, mm -hmm. that we've sailed to and all that. And yeah. Apparently the, the reality of that could not be further from the truth maybe, but like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a little bit harder than that romanticized yeah, yeah. version of island life. It's like hard work. Yeah. Uh, managing a boat by yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, I kind of feel like maybe Patrick came from a little bit of a more well-off family because, you know. He, we didn't talk about how he got the boat and also you know if you do tennis professionally younger i, don't, I mean i mean i guess serena williams wasn't like rich but like but she's an anomaly i think but in the, the in the pro tennis world maybe but the the yeah. the, the the vibes add up yeah tennis sailing exactly both yeah. of those are pretty hoity-toity <laughs> pretty much yeah. classy little you know hobbies to yeah. have i guess exactly yeah um and that that sailing certainly takes a lot of money and this was like yeah. a guy in college yeah. eating at Chili's right <laughs> um, and then he they said that he saved up enough money to buy a boat yeah um, and plus all the equipment necessary repairs yeah all the stuff that comes with having a boat yeah um, and the time yeah to do it yeah like not needing to work right and you know so I don't know where that money came from but it did say that they were like pretty hobo-ish when they ventured up on, on this sailing journey. They said they basically didn't have any personal belongings and they didn't eat very well. They said like dinner would be a can of green beans. And um, like a piece of bread. Yeah. And they said they were like 21, 22 when they were doing this. So like you're not young enough, we don't really care like about all those sorts of things. You know, you're just adventuring and... And she said something cool was about is like she got to see the world, experience the world firsthand versus like learning about the world from a book or something. Right. She said know? for kind of the first time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you said, re just really be in the world, experience it yeah, and be kind of living through some kind of hardships, yeah, you know, which lead you to have that insight and experience, yeah. Um, yeah. which turns into, you know, wisdom down the road. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was, uh, what was it, like a nine-month trip, I think, something like that? It was eight. Eight, yeah. Right on the money. And after they finished this trip, I, I guess they decided that they weren't going to, like, live on a boat on the round of the world for the rest of their life. Might be too hard to do that. Yeah. <laughs> they went, ended up going back home to Colorado, and then um, they started, she said they wrote music together for the first time. So, leads me to believe they did sort of play music independently of each other, but then decided to write together when they got home and specifically it seemed like a personal thing right they were trying to write about this eight month journey they'd been on and sort of process everything that happened there through music mm -hmm. like lyrics and songs and stuff right yeah yeah so use that yeah. as kind of a conduit to yeah, yeah. get these emotions out onto yeah uh, a new format which is you know music yeah yeah so very cool and they did that yeah so i guess do we have anything else? I don't know. I guess, you know, Trevor Peterson? Uh, I don't know Trevor Peterson. No. I guess yeah. that's, um, he's kind of one of the first people who kind of believed in them. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the story I have is basically they were making music together and they hadn't really shown anybody. Mm. Like they haven't told anybody or shown anybody of any of their music. And one of their good friends, Trevor Peterson, um, they showed him and he was super hyped about it. Right. 
And so he was like, I got to put this out. Okay. Like he really liked it. And he wasn't on a label or something. I guess he was a musician and he did some like kind of DIY circuit mm. touring. Okay. So he had some connections um, kind of in the scene. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was his his connection, but he really liked the the track that he heard and he was like, he believed in it and he wanted to put it out. Yeah. And I guess he did. And he, he dropped his own money to, to order some like seven inch vinyl. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, kind of funded their project at the very beginning as a little startup. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, he was kind of the first person to believe in him and got their, their jump start into the scene. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so I guess it was, so that was independently before like Fat Possum record label uh, came along? As or? far as I understand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. As far as I understand. So I hope yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, you know, somehow, I mean, so they started writing and they started playing, I think. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, they wrote their first album. Yeah. So Cape Dory is like the music, the songs that came out um, of that writing session they did processing their sailing trip kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, they say pretty much every song's about that. Um, there's one track in particular called uh, Marathon, I think it's called. Um, where it's weird. It's like a sort of do wop fifties sort of song. Um, there isn't really much drums in there. It's more like sort of organ and finger clicks or something like that. Yeah. You probably heard it. I saw it got a lot of plays. It's probably spun in a coffee shop somewhere or something. Um, but that song is all about like one particular moment where they're, they were sailing in darkness and there was no lights, no moonlight even. Um, and how they had to sort of rely on each other to get through that. Mm -hmm. So that is like one of my fears in life. It's like one is being buried alive. I shouldn't probably shouldn't say this on thing, you know, in case someone kidnaps me and puts me through my most traumatic times. We know what he <laughs> what he really doesn't want to experience. And being on a boat, like in darkness, in the ocean at night, uh, it was just the two of them, and I think they didn't have a big boat. Right? I don't know what their boat looks like, but I'm imagining it's not very big, small. Doubt it, yeah. And that's a lot rely on each other to get through this. But the song, like, is sort of a happy little song sounding. Mm -hmm. But the I was listening to the lyrics, and it's, I think the lyrics aren't dark, but they're like it was just kind of like describing what they went through, which is interesting. Like most bands write about love, or you know, mostly friendships i mean i guess this song is about that in so on certain level but like but it felt like to me it was sort of describing the experience kind of mm -hmm. thing of what they went through which is interesting yeah. yeah totally yeah so i mean yeah that was 2011 yeah we're talking and i think that did come out on fat possum yeah the Some, album. Yeah. So, somehow they got connected with that label yeah and they put it out they toured for it for a year yeah in support of it and that was all across the u.s i think it was primarily a u.s tour um, or no, they did go to Europe and Russia. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. world. Too. Early on. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of straight into it. Yeah, they yeah. had a good backing. They had people that believed in them Yeah. and you know, they were off to the races. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, we could just kind of hop around. Yeah. They basically, they just get on this, you know, path of being a band. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just doing it like yeah. making an album, doing an album cycle, touring heavily. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about the second album real quick. Yeah. The second one is called Young and Old. Mm -hmm. And it was... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, just gonna... Yeah, it was written and recorded in like a three-month span. Mm. This one, they... It was produced by Patrick Carney, mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So we know him from the Black Keys. Yeah, drummer from the Black Keys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I guess I guess they, as far as I know, they just emailed him. Oh, really? <laughs> out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And eventually, I mean, they asked him to produce their next record. Yeah. You know, just their second record, which right. is crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess they were riding their bikes. They were on like a little bike ride and he called them. They got a call. Patrick did, I think. Mm. And it was Patrick Carney and they had a little talk and he was pacing and, and uh, Elena was wondering what who it was or what was going on. And then he got off the call and he was like, he's going to do it. <laughs> Patrick's going to. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, do our album. Yeah. You know, so pretty cool. Yeah. So pretty exciting. Yeah. And. Yeah, I guess they had a new band member, James Barone. Yeah. He started drumming with him at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was also released by Fat Possum. That was in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, they said it was interesting working with Patrick Carney because he, um, he, his approach apparently is like minimalism, which makes sense because Black Keys are just guitar and drums pretty much. Um, yeah, so he really wanted to like just make things real simple in the studio and strip every song to its bare bones mm -hmm. without like complicating things mm -hmm. um which actually kind of goes into like uh tennis's philosophy i think about music as well because like we sort of mentioned it with the fashion how they like the 60s and 70s but musically they like the music from the 50s and 60s because of how simple things were back then like you didn't have a lot of technology to make lots of different sounds you had like the simple band set up and back then you even only had like what four tracks to record on you know mm -hmm. so you had to kind of do as much as you could do with that you know and then so then it was all about the songs you know and the arrangement and the melodies and the rhythm kind of thing and i think yeah yeah it all sort of just came together for them i think like on that second album with was everyone being aligned on yeah that they kind of realized of yeah, yeah all their visions were kind of in the same spot yeah, yeah. and so that's very cool yeah I, I was i think i was about to say something but i can't remember uh, so let's just move on from that i guess the only other thing that uh elena said is funny because patrick kearney his only his only experience of producing music in a studio was working with danger mouse because oh yeah apparently danger mouse i know he did a black keys album but um mm -hmm. I think he might have done some other stuff with him as well, you know. Yeah. So Brian Burton. Check out our episode on him. Yeah. Good, good guy. Yeah, yeah. Powerful guy. Yeah. He's he he's done a lot of stuff that you wouldn't guess. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's not on the the title of the record or something, but he had his hands all up in it. Yeah, yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess soon after that, somewhere in there they switched labels and they signed with uh Ben Lovett, mm -hmm. who's a member of Mumford and Sons. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but folky Americana, yeah, yeah. bluegrassy band. Are they British or American? I don't know. I feel like they no, I think have. I think they're like they're like Scottish or something. Oh, okay, yeah, right. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere <coughs> like that, right? Maybe Irish, even I don't know. Yeah, um, that was called Communion Music, and they released Small Sound EP mm. 2013. Right. So they got to work on their third album, Ritual in Repeat, and so this this they kind of start going into a more towards a more radio-friendly, mm. kind of accessible musical style than their yeah. previous albums. Yeah. Um, it was produced by Richard Swift. Yeah, who we've talked about before. I can't remember who he's been. A, he's since passed away, unfortunately, but he's, he's being a big figure like behind the scenes. He's produced a lot of big albums. Yeah. And we've talked about him one or he's come up. times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. talk more in yeah. depth about him at some point. I mean... 
the funny thing you said is because he's a drummer. So they work with three producers, and each of these producers, their primary instrument is the drums. Yeah, it was yeah. Richard Swift, Patrick yeah. Carney, and then yeah. from Spoon, Jim Eno. Right, yeah, yeah. No relation to Brian Eno. Okay. <laughs> Jim Eno? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to look that up to make sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, three drummers, mm -hmm. three producers, and they helped him make Ritual and Repeat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Which is a great album. That's the first. I started with that first because that was sort of first on the Spotify discography, even though it's not their first album. They re-released a deluxe version so maybe it was remixed a little bit or something but mm -hmm. i yeah I, there's some really great tracks on that like um yeah. really well produced really full sound kind of thing yeah yeah i, I start liking this band's music tennis music yeah more towards their later stuff right yeah, yeah. their more latest yeah releases okay i like a little bit more of the poppy indie stuff than than where they came from the 50s kind of inspired stuff yeah more lo-fi yeah. stuff, but that's, you know, that's just me. It's all good though. The songwriting's there the whole time. Um, yeah. So now let's go to 2017. Let's just, you know, zip along mm -hmm. if we're along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, Yours Conditionally. Right. Came out in 2017. Yeah. And this is, so this one, they went self-produced, self-released. Mm. Um, so along the way, they've kind of been, you know, learning as they go from these different producers and engineers. Yeah. And I know they said in interviews, like they kind of, you know, force them to like, what's your, what's the secret? How do you do this? How do you do that? Mm. And they learned a lot as they were going. So they felt pretty confident to do it themselves this time. Yeah. Oh, oh that was the one thing I was going to say a few minutes ago was when you were talking about four tracks and the limitations of recording back in the day, the 50s, 60s. Yeah. Tennis also started their early stuff with just a four track, I believe. Uh, add them to the four track club. Four track club, have tennis. A four track clubs growing. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like half the bands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they're hip again now. Some people were using those to make lo-fi stuff sound lo-fi. Right, yeah. yeah. It's coming yeah, full yeah. circle. Yeah, yeah. So this one, I guess they, they were blocked creativity, create, creatively. Mm, yeah. So they went on another sailing journey. Okay, yeah. And kind of with the same intent, like, let's go on a journey, yeah. go through some stuff, yeah. and then we'll write about it. Right. So they went um, from San Diego to the Baja Coast to Sea of Cortez. Mm. And they worked on music for four months. I heard uh, Urban Outfitters, they teamed up with them and they blogged about it. That's what I read somewhere. Urban Outfitters. Sponsored as, as a sailing trip? I guess. Well, yeah, they blogged about it. So I'm guessing there was some kind of partnership brand okay. deal. I was not aware yeah. of that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So good for them. That's maybe yeah. how they're funding their sailing trips. There you go. <laughs> not the first one, but the second one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, so... And so they started their own record label, mm -hmm. kind of around this time, Mutually Detrimental. Right. Which is kind of a funny, ironic name, considering they're a married couple. They're right. supposed to do things. Yeah, almost like a little tongue-in-cheek exactly. there. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, late 2016, they released a couple songs from the fourth upcoming fourth album. Yeah. And yeah, they did all the project production, you know, chores and stuff. And yeah. This is where they started using drummer Steve Voss. Right. And he's from a band called Tetherball, mm. another ball sport. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I heard along the way as well they built their own studio. I don't know if it's at home or somewhere else. Um, but they said they, yeah, all of the best bits of gear they've used in other studios around uh, the, the over the years, they tried to get that into their 
studio as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not just borrowing ideas and things they've learned, but actually like pieces of kit to create that sound as well kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah they learned how to, you know, cause so we went, we're, I guess we're about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020, the pandemic happened. Right. And so that affected them as well as yeah. everybody else. Yeah. And they they had a tour planned and they think they did like six or seven stops mm-hmm. uh, before they had to cancel the rest of the shows. Right. Yeah. And that gave them obviously, same as everybody, a lot of time at home. And so they, they got to do stuff that they never got to do before because they're always on tour, like watering the grass. Yeah. I think they learned how to roof. And I think they were, you know, part of that was doing, building the studio. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, or at least updating stuff. I think they redid their bathroom. <laughs> All this kind of, you know, domestic. They're pretty. It sounds. Do they live in Colorado still? Maybe. I think so. Yeah, they have a house apparently. I yeah. think so. Yeah, so. and I think they had it for years. Yeah, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah, because because yeah. they had mentioned like their grass was dead. Right. From being on tour for so long. <laughs> Damn. And yeah. so they they reseeded it. They completely redid the grass. Yeah. So yeah, I think they had their home for a while. Yeah, and then they they use that time to like kind of update. They have a sounds like a pretty sort of chill domestic normal life. Like I heard <laughs> about when they uh, found out they were going to play Coachella, and apparently Elena was in a yoga class in town, and I think Pat found out first, and she said, told this story about how he raced through town on his skateboard and basically ran into the yoga studio yeah. in the middle of it. And said like, "We're going to play Coachella." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they said they ran off skipping down the street. Just. <laughs> You know, rom-com vibes. Rom-com vibes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, but they do seem pretty grounded. Yeah. And and chill people. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, yeah, I guess one thing I could just mention now, she, Elena kind of goes, she said her writing style is like working at a nine to five. Like yeah. A lot of times stuff doesn't just come out magically. Yeah. Um, she has to, she used the analogy of like working in a mine. Right. So like, you know, just kind of picking, working towards something. And yeah. then eventually, you know, you kind of hit that one little spot. You find some gold, yeah. you know, in this analogy. Yeah. Um, and then she has something to kind of work with and be inspired by. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the the conduit to coming, you know, letting the rest of the song come out. Yeah, it's basically just chipping away at it, even if you don't want to, to, right. to make something happen. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, tenacity and uh, it's just what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think we all do that as musicians. You, I think we, we all create shit we don't like. And the, and I think you have to do that in order to create good stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us maybe get discouraged because we go through too long a period of making stuff that we don't like. Yeah. You know, but you have to do that really. Like, it's yeah, like exactly. a necessity. Fail, like we've always said, failure is part of success. So you have to fail. That's my guy. Yeah, a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. And they've done that a lot, it seems like, because... They were saying, like, I think it was probably that album before they went on their second sailing trip where it took them longer to write that album. So, because they were saying that at a certain point, apparently they became really self-conscious about their music and how they sounded to other people, is mm-hmm. what they said. Because, um, like, the first stuff, they said the first album was, like, a bunch of personal songs that was made, mostly only meant for them to listen to in their bedroom, they said. Mm-hmm. So they went through this whole thing of how they were going to play it live and present it to people. And then I think after the second album, they started to get a bit self-conscious about how they sounded. And and I think that caused some sort of creative blocks for them, like it sounds like, you know. Yeah. And whereas said now, they said they're much better songwriters and they've, they've had to go through that self-conscious phase to like get out of that again and be just themselves writing freely, I think is what they said. Mm-hmm. You know? 
um, yeah, totally. interesting, interesting journey. I know Patrick yeah. said on, you know, his writing style is, you know, kind of, he, he likes to like turn off all the technology and turn off everything, all the distractions, yeah, yeah. remove those so that you can just kind of be present and yeah. come up with your own ideas and being, you know, inspired by yourself. Um, just rather than the onslaught, onslaught of like constant yeah. different ideas or different inspirations. Yeah, I think he literally said internet is a creativity killer. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty heavy <laughs> statement almost. I mean, I think it depends what you're looking at, but like if you most, totally, if you're just looking at social media, for sure, creativity killer. Yeah. But I think the art of surfing the web has been lost now, but um, I like how Magdalena, Magdalena Bay, that group we talked about a long time ago, they did their website, which is like 90s inspired or whatever. Yeah. It's all like kind of glitchy and. Yeah. And yeah, even fuzzy. their TikTok videos and all that is like mm -hmm. that. Uh, I think like there's a lot of things you can if you the art of surfing the web is like by digging out some of these like obscure things that you know instead of just consuming social media apps all the time you know you can go see like some weird videos that artists made or like right. I, I used to go on Vimeo like years and years ago Vimeo used to be great for like watching short films and music videos yeah it's changed a lot now it's not. But it used to be like a great place to go for inspiration. Mm -hmm. like, whereas YouTube was just like everything else, but Vimeo was like, you know. A little bit more curated. Curated, yeah. yeah. But like now, I think we live in a strange internet time where everything's like social media apps consume most people's attention mm -hmm. and it's mostly vacuous crap, unfortunately. Yeah. Like it's not inspiring. It's not intelligent sometimes. Yeah. We need to encourage. I mean, this is why podcasts are taking off because there are people that love that crave information and interesting perspectives. Yeah. That's why the podcasting's taken off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, anyway. That's, that's why we're here. Digression. But I, yeah, I just, when he said internet's creativity killer, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, different yeah. perspectives. You yeah, know, yeah. Pros yeah. and cons. Yeah, yeah. And everybody has their own style and opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is valid. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about... Swimmer, their next album that came, yeah. that's the one that came out in 2020. Right. It yeah. came out on Valentine's day. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of where they, they got kind of hit by the pandemic and they started that tour and then had to cancel. Mm. So let's, let's listen to a track. I think we got a track from swimmer. Um, yeah, we started out with runner. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, we have this one need your love. Should we spin that? Let's do it. track from tennis from their fifth studio album swimmer um so that's another one that i just super vibe with like cool track yeah great track i think i have heard that somewhere uh-huh like it but it is like reminiscent of spoon you know something yeah. drums driven right uh yeah. super cool how it goes into the 
know uh, the timing change yeah, yeah. kind of shifts and in, in there somewhere it like actually slows down before it goes into that shift yeah yeah, yeah. so you know definitely. super cool definitely super yeah. fun yeah. and you know that's why i like tennis yeah yeah so You're doing it good yeah good stuff on that that album in 2020 swimmer came out on valentine's day mm-hmm. i don't know if i said that yeah and then let's talk about 2023 album pollen yeah and so this is where i heard originally that first track that i heard this is the album that it was from oh so i guess this album that we're gonna or this song that we're gonna close out on is um, the first track you heard of this yeah i guess okay. is yeah. that right where it's um let's make a mistake tonight yeah so that's okay. the one i heard at the gym and it's it's like it's probably like one of my favorite tennis tracks okay yeah. um it's just really cool yeah. it's almost more on the poppy side for sure yeah um and yeah we've gone from that first album to to pollen yeah and yeah Speaking of Claritin Clear, (laughs) and that is kind of the reason that they they named it pollen because she does have some some pollen or allergy issues, as does her family, and I guess they have like a thread going at all times about you know the updates of the the air quality and this and that. Interesting, Um, and kind of the the idea behind it, like something very small having big uh, can can make a big difference. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the ethos, yeah, idea behind the the theme of the album. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, this is it's more radio friendly stuff. Yeah, it's like, definitely more poppy. Right. This one produced wise as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it works really well. Yeah. Um, you know, their style works really well with her cool voice and her melodies and infliction and stuff. It works nicely for pop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, which is why I wanted to talk about tennis in the first place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's 2023. Yeah. So that just dropped. Right. And yeah, February, I think it came out yeah, mm-hmm. not long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like more like lo-fi stuff, more indie stuff, I would start at the, the beginning of their career. Yeah. And even the, was it Ritual Repeats? Is that the name of the album? Um, that's, I don't know. Ritual In Repeat. Ritual In Repeat. That's a really good solid album I yeah, think. yeah yeah of this vibe the first one's great but it's a little bit too 50s or yeah i would you know, agree that like, it's not my favorite so, but yeah like i said it's good stuff yeah and they've just sort of tightened it up it's like all these artists like we see how they start out and then as their career and their albums go you can see how they're becoming more focused on a certain style yeah sometimes it happens like sometimes someone's like pretty like eclectic mm-hmm. in their in their material especially with collaborations and stuff. But as far as like tennis as a band goes and a lot of these bands, you can see the evolution. 100%. That's why it's always important to be releasing stuff, I think. You know, don't sit on shit. Yeah. You know? You'll be sitting on it forever. Like, just put it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I, I wanted to say before we like, wrap up about this band is the DIY approach mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because um, apparently, you said at the top of the show, they don't have a tour manager, so they don't, uh, have someone on the road with them that's like dealing with the venues apparently they're dealing like dealing with that themselves as they're out there um the other thing was that they um they fund all of this themselves apparently mm-hmm. they said they pay for everything out of their savings to do it you know obviously they make a profit back but they said they run it like a business you mm-hmm. know so they make the money from doing what they do and then they reinvest it to be able to go on tour again, to be able to pay for the logistics, to be on the road, mm-hmm. you know, and then make that money back from ticket sales and stuff. Yeah. Which is great. It's that whole thing of 
don't ask for permission, just do it, you know? Like, um, they're capable. What are you waiting for? Like, you know, you, if you want to make a career out of music, you just have to do it. You have to go, you have to write the music, you have to make the songs, you have to go out on the road, you have to finance it yourself, mm -hmm. you know, do whatever jobs you can do, you know, to do that and then make it happen, you know? Like, yeah and they've been doing it for a long time now over 10 years right so. yeah and they've they've proved yeah. themselves yeah and you know they're i don't know it seems like they're just going to keep going yeah yeah and i dig it I, I like where they've gone like you said the evolution yeah i'm yeah. i'm liking their their newer stuff and how that's kind of sounding you know synthy right this this is kind of where they get into that dream pop side of tennis yeah yeah and yeah. I really dig that. So I hope they kind of do some some more stuff along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Poppy, synthy, dream pop, indie stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to play this last track. Yeah. And I guess we'll close out with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds good. That's all I got on tennis. Me too. Yes. I think they're yeah. good. I think they're cool. Yeah. They're fun. They're good people. Yeah. All, you know, yeah. DIY. Yeah. They got the integrity and the perseverance. I saw a few clips of them playing live on videos i think they'll be really great to see live yeah a little a bit show. groovy they get a little bit groovy on stage i've seen yeah. a little bit vibey yeah, yeah. So, so she's got yeah. cool hair yeah yeah <laughs> wouldn't mention that big like a big perm it looks like yeah it's like curly that. blonde yeah yeah perm yeah. yeah uh so i mean that's it guys hang out with us on insta at roots to grooves twitter at roots to grooves youtube at roots to grooves now edited by ai Quick. Quick. <laughs> 2023, baby. Still have to watch it, but yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> TikTok at Signal Radio. And if you just want to hit us up directly, Claritin, if you want to uh, sponsor us, Jay, got the email. Roots to Grooves at SignalRadio.com. S-I-G-N-L Radio.com. Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S I G N L radio.com.